Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. And we have uh, been in Ecclesiastes. This is our fourth week in Ecclesiastes. So if you could, grab your Bibles. We're going to jump right in. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 through 15. For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born, and a time to die. A time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill, and a time to heal. A time to break down, and a time to build up. A time to weep, and a time to laugh. A time to mourn, and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek, and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear, and a time to sow, and a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that the people fear before him. That which is already has been, that which is to be already has been, and God seeks what has been driven away. This is the word of the Lord. Now, this is my obligatory. I do it every year. I'm never going to stop doing it. I love seasons. And my favorite season is upon us. Anybody feel the cool breeze across the nose this morning, right? Yes, anybody watch any football in the last two days, okay? This, listen, I'm, and I'm a Missouri boy, and the Lord would have to do a major work in my heart if he's ever going to call me out of this state. I love Missouri. I love southwest Missouri. And one of the reasons I love it is the seasons. Like these trees are getting ready to look like someone set them on fire, and it's beautiful. I love the fall. Am I the only one? Like, just give me some head nods. yes. Some of you guys are like, no, I like the lake and the beach. I'm like, forget that. It's 99 degrees, and I hate that stuff. Okay? I love seasons. We just read a passage that's about seasons. But I would say this. The passage we just read, even though we read about seasons and times, it is a passage about God, specifically God's control, God's sovereignty. We would call it. And I would say this morning, as we are in a wisdom literature, that it is a wise thing to do our best to try to get a grip and understand and submit to God's sovereignty. Right now, the kids in our church are being taught one of the pillar truths they are taught every single week is God is in charge of everything. And I want to let you know this morning, it is by no coincidence that you are here in this theater this morning. God's in charge of that. 
If someone's listening or watching this on a future podcast or on a video, it's, it's by no coincidence that they are hearing and seeing what we're going to be going over today. God is in charge of everything. The psalmist says it like this in the 115th Psalm, our God is in the heavens and he does all that he pleases. Now listen, you may hear that and I, and I hope your heart jumps to me that is fantastic. God being in control of everything, is a, that is good news. Because here's what that tells us. God has his job covered. His job will never be open. It will never, never be uh, vacant and needing to be filled by you or by me. And the quicker that we can realize this, the better. The quicker that we can realize that God has his job covered and that we don't have to do it, the better. You see, what can happen is once we realize that, we can actually relax a little bit. See, some of y'all got to relax and realize you're not God. That you're not in control. See, I'm one of them. I like control. I'm a control freak. But the reality is I'm not in control of anything. So once we realize that God's in control of everything, we can relax. And secondly, once we do that, it will give us a proper view of God. When we stop trying to be Him, it will give us a proper and clearer view of Him. The first, verse eight, or the first eight verses of this passage was a beautiful poem. It's one of the most famous passages of Scripture that there is. Uh, thankful to the birds. Anybody? No? Everybody's too, almost everybody's too young here. So there's a band, the birds. They, they released a song called Turn, Turn, Turn in 1965. Uh, their creative juices must have stopped flowing. They just opened the Bible up to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and copied it word for word and sang it, and they made a ton of money. So you can just Google that. It's a hippie song. It's not hippie lyrics. It's just a hippie song. But it's a great song. Why? They're just singing the Bible. But in this poem, we see these seven polar opposites. We see seven spectrums of life. In this passage we read, it is indeed about time. It is about life. It is about the tides of time and life. Another way to maybe put it is it's about the ups and downs of life. And the reality that there are seasons of life but I don't want us to miss this and, and if you haven't been here you, you maybe you would have missed it but on each side of this poem about time is God so, so, so check this out I want, I want to show you this before we before we move on where, where, where you'll see this um I had a marker in here so give me a minute okay so, so, so this is Ecclesiastes chapter 3, but if you look in Ecclesiastes 2, 25 and 26, because when this was written, there weren't the numbers and the chapter breakdowns, but check this out, okay? This also I saw is from the hand of God, for apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy, but to the sinner he's given a business of gathering and collecting. So, so right here it's God, and then you have this beautiful poem about the tides of life, and you go on down, and we'll get to this, verse 14 and, and, and 15, where I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it. 
so that people fear before him. So you got this beautiful poem that's bookended by God. I don't want you to miss that. This is a poem about God, but the writer of Ecclesiastes says, listen, there are these tides of life. There are these ups and downs, and it is best if you will just face those. So on each side of this poem is God, but the poem itself is this picture of reality. And we must face reality. We must understand that there are seasons in this poem we come to an understanding that there will be times that we are going to need kleenexes to wipe our tears and there are going to be times where we will drink champagne in this poem we see that there are times when a coach gets gatorade dumped on his head and not long after the very same coach will be fired from his job ecclesiastes teaches this you see wallets and keys will be lost and relationships and fortunes will be lost. And wallets and keys will be found. And so will relationships and fortunes. And this is what the, the poet is telling us. It is wise for us to understand that there are seasons. So as you heard Aaron reading this, as you read this poem, where did your heart go? Where did your mind go? Did you find your season. Where are you? Because in this room is represented both ends of the spectrum and, 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 and everywhere, everywhere in between. And then you get to verse 9 and 10 and, and we see this familiar question. And we see this word. If you've been here with us, you, you know that that word toil keeps coming up. But I think even in the questions of, of verse 9 and verse 10, there, there's, a, there's something we must understand. Maybe two things. We need to understand that there are seasons. And then there's this understanding of why there are seasons. Now I would say this, I, I worded that incorrectly. One of those is our responsibility and the other is God's responsibility. See, I think for us, we need to understand that there are seasons. But we can never understand all of the why that there are seasons. Now listen to me, it's okay to ask why. If you're in a low season right now, it is okay to ask why there's a reason that you ask why we'll get to that in a minute but understanding that there are seasons is your responsibility the understanding why these seasons take place you see that's God's business which then takes us to verse 11 Few verses uh, in the Bible have impacted me and my wife, Jenny, like this verse. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Now that's the first part of the verse. 
we're going to have some pictures up here. Photo cred, Esther Ziegler. Okay, listen, I'm biased. That's beautiful. I mean, minus the hairy guy that they're trying to hide, obviously, <laughs> in the photograph. Listen, unapologetically, that's beautiful. Like, sh come on, give me this. Yes, yes, Brad. Okay, can I tell you something? Um, you want me to give you reality of this picture? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite you into my world here. You know what's represented in this picture that you will never see? Multiple miscarriages. And I know that's some of the stories out here. God sees you. And then, and then that takes us to our firstborn, Brody, who, who we adopted. We put our hands on him when he was six days old. Fell in love with him the second we saw him. And we're going through the process before we hit a major hiccup. I won't tell you in detail that story because this is being recorded. If you want to hear it, I will tell you uh, in a different setting. But the hiccup caused Jenny to have to be in Kentucky for five weeks. I was here teaching. I'd have to leave every Friday and drive to Kentucky to see her as she was staying with Brody. Eventually, we, we were able to bring Brody to Missouri, but for the first five months of Brody's life, we were one phone call away from losing him. Anytime an unrecognized number that, that, that would tell you the city or the state from which the, the, the call was coming from, we were mortified, terrified to even answer it. Because we knew that could be the call. We've lost him. It's horrible. And then after five months of, of perseverance, after five months of ugliness, it was ugly. Are you with me? It was ugly. The things that I prayed to God in that season are shameful. The thoughts I had about certain people in that season were ugly. But after persevering in five months, we finally got to the point and, and to hear he's a lotz. He's yours. Can never be reversed. See, God made a way after a crappy season. You are way maker. Which takes us to our second born Brecken. See, we went, we went about Brecken the old fashioned way. And Jenny was pregnant with Brecken and one day she came into the bedroom and she said her water broke. The problem, water 
breaks all the time. The problem is that this was nine weeks before her water was, should have been breaking. Nine weeks. Way too early, dude. And for five weeks, he laid in a hospital. And we had to go see him there. I mean, I can't... It was like the size of a softball. And it was ugly. And the things I prayed in that season... We're ugly. But listen to me, if you've ever been in the NICU and what they do in these hospitals, listen to me, it's, it's unbelievable what God has done through modern medicine with these little babies. It's unbelievable. Okay? And after five weeks, we bring Brickett home, and you've seen him around. Now listen, he came out and he had to fight for the first five weeks of his life. He's still a fighter. The dude will bite your nose off in a second. Don't cross him. Okay. You are a miracle worker. Amen. So then Jenny and I move on into Another adoption process, we believed, is what the Lord had called us to do. And for the first time, I've never done this before. The first time I introduce to you guys, this is Omba and Shako. Omba and Shako, twins. They called us. Say, look, we've got you placed. Here's the deal. Twins, are you guys in? Yeah. We're in. And we get a phone call one day. And they were in an orphanage about 60 miles outside of Kinshasa, hard to get to. And there are roughly 50 babies in this orphanage. And we get a phone call and said, listen, there has been a horrible thing that's happened. Dysentery has ran through this orphanage. And 33 out of the 50 babies in this orphanage died. I said, we're sorry to tell you. Light in the darkness. So we cry. The things I thought about God in this season, the things I prayed, listen, that's ugly. That was ugly. wasn't long after we received a phone call. I said, listen, we, we understand what you guys have been through. We don't want to be insensitive, but they found a little girl in a ditch. We understand if you say no, but... And this is Clementine. You know Clementine, don't you? We were placed with her when she was this age. 
And then something happened in the country and, and all borders were closed. They were not letting children leave. So we watched Clementine grow up in pictures and they would send us updates. And one of the pictures they sent was, was an update of her health. I don't know if you can see it, but her neck is swollen. Her, she, she had an infection in her lymph nodes. Listen, you want to see a father get upset. This doesn't happen here because we go to the doctor and they just fix it. And the things that went through my heart and the things that I prayed in this season were ugly. For two years, we watched her grow up. And it wasn't until she was two and a half that we got to hold her, hug her, and that she was here. But he's made everything beautiful in his time. Not my time. Not your time. He makes everything beautiful in his time. You want to know the slideshow that runs through this mind and this heart when we're singing, way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness? You just saw it. That's a great song. So Hill City Church, how are things? What season do you find yourself in? Don't raise your hand. Got marriage a little rocky? Maybe it's on life support. I don't know. I know this. There are stories in this church of marriages that were on life support and people persevered and pushed through. And listen, when those marriages were on life support, it was ugly. It is ugly. But there are stories in this church where people hung on. And it is beautiful now. Because he's made everything beautiful in his time. Anybody lose a job? During this COVID season, he's made everything beautiful in his time. By losing a relationship, you thought for sure he was the one, she was the one. He's made everything beautiful in his time. So whatever season, and I'm talking to the people in the low seasons, right? Specifically right now. There can be great beauty in it. And the reality is this, you may never see it on this side of the sun. But the Bible says this, he's made everything beautiful in his time. 
Here's what I'm convinced of, and maybe because this is me, but I think this would be for most of us. If we would have God's job, which we don't, we never will, but if we did, and we were the ones who breathed out and inspired this word, if we were sovereign, I'm convinced this is how Ecclesiastes would read. For everything, there's a season and a time under heaven. There's a time to be born. There's a time to plant. There's a time to heal. Oh, there's a time to build up. There's a time to dance. There's a time to seek. There's a time to speak. And actually, there's a time to speak even more. And really, the best way that I think you should speak is if you go to Facebook and speak a lot. And there's a time for love and there's a time for peace. That's how I would have inspired this. And we would never be stretched. We would never have to experience any kind of pain or tears. Let's get rid of lows. No loss. See, no lows. And you know what the result of that would be? Lifelessness. A life with no beauty. But see, God's better than me, and He's better than you. He's so good at what He does. He's so good at His job. He's such a good Father, and He's always wise, and He's always good that He lets us and allows us to experience seasons. And they're beautiful. Now this is hard. What I'm, the slide I'm going to show you is hard. Tim Keller, we quote him a lot around here unapologetically. We're going to keep doing it. That's what he says. So remember this. God, God's in control. He's never lost control. In your lows, he's in control. He knows everything He says, God will either give us what we ask for in prayer or give us what we would have asked for if we knew everything that he knows. The second part of verse 11 says, also, he has put eternity into man's hearts. Yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Listen, if you're in a low point right now, if you feel that your low point is doing nothing, I I can nearly guarantee this. It has caused you to think deeply about life and what happens beyond this life. Because the Bible says he's put eternity into your heart. Remember earlier I said, it's okay to ask why. There's a reason that we ask why. Here it is, because he's put eternity into your heart. That's why we ask why. See, animals don't do this. So, so I'm a hunter. If that freaks you out, I apologize. But like, it's, like deer seasons, are like it's here. Okay? Deer don't ask, why do bad things happen to good deer? They don't ask why. They just run for their life. We do. That, that's what makes us different. See, somehow we know that we were created for more than this life under the sun. 
And, and the reality is these seasons that we're reading about, these times, the ups and downs of this life, they, they, they spark this, this small ember in our hearts of eternity. In verse 12 and 13, he says, I perceive that there is nothing better for them that to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in his toil. I hope when you read that, you see, okay, I'm thinking in all these seasons. And I hope that, I think there's an invitation in these verses. I think the invitation in verse 12 and 13 is this, to stop and see the beauty in the present, in the now. Recognize God's gifts. Listen, raise your hand if you felt the cool breeze across your nose this morning. Raise your hand. Okay, listen. That is beautiful. That's a gift from God. Raise your hand if you woke up with a roof over your head this morning. That is a gift from God. Did you thank Him for that? Okay, listen. Raise your hand if you did not go to a hospital this week and receive bad news from a doctor. Raise your hand. Oh, what a season! What a season. Did you recognize that in the moment? These great gifts of God. Like, and, and here's the reality. A lot of us do that. A lot of you probably did. And, and we're good at acknowledging those gifts, huh? We should be. I went to Mercy Hospital yesterday. And I met with a guy from our church because I couldn't get in the hospital room to see his two-year-old daughter who fell into a bonfire. And, th and listen, this dad knows truth and he's fighting and he's thinking things and he believes scripture and he, he actually said, like, I believe this. I believe that this is going to be beautiful. I believe Romans 8, 28 goes, but... I would rather not believe that right now, is what he said. So it's okay to feel that way. Why does that happen? Why is a newborn baby born with a disease that one in a million people get? It, happens, it happened in our church, Hill City Church. Little baby, one in a million chance of getting this. And it's, and it's a genetic disorder that causes seizures and causes paralysis and causes rapid eye movement. And it's so unknown. Now listen, what I'm getting ready to say is hard, and I'm not trying to be insensitive. I've, talked, I've spoken with both parents the one at mercy and the one with, listen to me, somehow, some way, that will be made beautiful in his time. You guys remember Clementine's neck? This swollen lint, right? Remember that? You know the only reason that we got to hug her 
and get her when she was two and a half because the country said, here's the deal. Any kids that are sick, we'll let them go. Like, I'm cursing this thing. I'm, I'm trying to tell God things that he doesn't know. Like, if she was here, that wouldn't have happened to her, God. Like, God's going to go, oh, you know, Brad, you, I didn't think about that. Here's the beauty of God. Take, take the Clementine story. I'm sitting here while I'm studying this. Like, I see, I see the Lord, and I feel it, and I'm just like, and I'm thinking through these stories, and then the Clementine story, and how it's like, see what you did there and God isn't like see I know how to I know what I'm doing you idiot you know what he did well I'm this is what he did with me he said Brad come here and it was it was like another hug from him as I'm reliving what I thought was ugly that he made beautiful God is sovereign, and that should comfort us. And here, listen, this is hard to hear too. God does not ever have to explain himself. We need to understand that. He doesn't ever have to explain himself. He, 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 he does kind of hear where, where, where his word, he inspired Ecclesiastes to say that everything he does endures forever. Praise God. Everything he does endures forever listen we cannot we're not ever going to be able to discern the whys of this poem why is there a time for hate instead of love why is there a time for war instead of peace i don't know but i think this is true sometimes god allows what he hates to accomplish what he loves do you believe that this morning I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is, all, that which is already has been. That which is to be already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. We read a poem about time and about seasons. If we're ever going to get any kind of a handlebar on time and seasons, we're going to have to go outside of time to do that. And we do that by going to God. Specifically, I would say we even go to Jesus because Jesus was, was God's sovereignty on display. Galatians 4 said, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. There was a phrase Jesus used over and over and over in the gospels. He said, my time has not yet come. But then, then one day his time did come. And he went to a cross on our behalf and he was buried. And he, he, he came up out of the ground and resurrected in three days time. Just as the prophesied time of the Old Testament told us was going to happen. And here's the reality of Jesus. I want you to see him in this poem of Ecclesiastes. Jesus had a time to die so that you and I could be born. 
Jesus had a time to be killed so that healing could be brought to all the earth. Jesus had a time to weep. You remember him in the garden? He had his time to weep. And we get the benefit of laughing like children who are adopted into a family. Jesus was often hated. You can read about it. All while showing us the greatest act of love to ever take place on the planet. Thank God for seasons. And God never lost control. When Jesus, when his time came to be mutilated on the cross, see that time was in sovereign father's hands. And so it is with you and I that our time is also in God's hands. The psalmist says this, literally, my times are in your hand. He says to God, which then causes his heart to go to Psalm chapter 16, verse 8, where he says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Hill City Church, I just got to ask this in our, as we conclude here. Do you trust him? Do you trust his sovereignty? Do you see him in your season? Is the Lord set before you? Let's bow our heads.